Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Screen Talk, Anywhere's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn with Ann Thompson as usual. And we've got tons to discuss. Lots of movies opening. Lots of movies to look ahead to. But why don't we start with the next film festival that's around the corner? Because that's always our favorite topic of discussion. Not just one movie, but a whole bunch of them. AFI Fest, after a bit of a gap after New York Film Festival, AFI Fest shows up right on schedule. Another festival that didn't really get a chance to shine last year. Getting a chance with LA finally requiring vaccines, I hear. So a, a relatively safe environment to come together and watch movies. And what are you excited to check out now that you get you get your LA festival back? So what's, what's been going on also is that after the fall festivals, a lot of the talent have been going around to the regional festivals like Middleburg and, and uh, other festivals like that. Um, so they've been on a, a, like a tour because it, they're, they're, they're really enjoying live venues, being able to, to be um, in touch with audiences and see, see their films play and, and do Q&A. So, so you can just see the coverage coming from, from all over the country. Okay, so opening night is to Tick Boom, Lin Manuel Miranda's. Better musical. get it right after all these years. Yeah, I love Lin Manuel. <laughs> he goes by Lin. <laughs> and then, the, then you have the he's directing for the first time. So we feel like there are. I mean, he has songs on Encanto. He, you know, Vivo. He did the songs for that. You know, there's a lot of 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 Lin Manuel Miranda going around. But this is his first um, directorial debut, picking up on an old um, Jonathan Larson musical, the guy who did Rent and who was taken away from us far too soon um and i'm 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 and andrew garfield just judging from the trailer uh is is having a a, a gay old time in in this right. movie and there's a lot to discuss with this film that it'll be fascinating because you know obviously lynn did a lot of press early this year for in the heights which kind of launched him in a certain way as 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 a this sort of musical impresario and prodigy basically because that was like his college project this is one that uh, it, he actually played the jonathan larson character in, t- in a staging of tick tick boom less than a decade ago so this is one where he gets to bring a different kind of passion project so it's almost like i wouldn't say a career reboot but it'll be fascinating to see how lin-manuel Miranda, the filmmaker, emerges as this person, you know, somebody behind well, the know, camera. He, he, he's obviously a child of Broadway and, and Hamilton was a, a tour de force. But what he did after that, especially in the Disney universe, was participate in various animated musicals. And, um, you know, he, he starred in, in Mary Poppins reboot. And, and uh, you know, he's had any number of opportunities to observe other people making movies. Uh, and that was Rob Marshall, of course. Uh, so he is, is really... Um, um, been a student now, and now he has his chance to take everything that he's learned and and show us what he can do. I, I can't wait. And uh, they're showing King Richard, so that's on the rounds right now. Of course, that was that showed it uh, at Telluride and and uh, and did not show at Toronto. Uh, it went to London. Belfast, 
and, and allowing Belfast to win the uh, the audience award. Right. Yeah, we talked about that before. <laughs> but King Richard has been making the rhyme. Perhaps it's in its favor in some ways that it kind of lets Belfast have its space and then comes back on its own because now, I mean, basically the buzz around King Richard will return from AFI Fest as Belfast opens theatrically so they really right. are kind of the two right. crowd so they're, they're, we're, we're rolling out so i got to talk to kenneth branna um which was really fun i had seen him a few times up at telluride but um really sitting down with him and going over um how personal this sort of film memoir really is and how the black and white is connected to his love of old movies and trying to revive a certain kind of classic Hollywood glamour in, in at the same time that he's telling this personal memoir. And he admitted that he never saw Roma. <laughs> he knew Shocker. that he had this in his drawer, basically. This was something he'd been planning to do for a long time, but the pandemic gave him permission to sit down and write. I have to say, though, I did laugh at the Variety headline to, to its review, which said, what's black and white and Roma all over? So whether or not he saw the thing, the reverberations are clear. Obviously, he is probably sick of having to talk about that. Well, comparison, but he but... also I mean, it, he also, you know, um, I talked to, by the way, uh, this morning, I talked to Stephen Knight about um, Spencer. He, he wrote Spencer which is opening and, this week and how that happened. And uh he admitted that he'd never watched The Crown. So. Well, that's probably for the best because that's <laughs> such a direct point of comparison to Princess Di's stories, basically, that it would actually get in the way to some degree. I am curious about the King Richard conversation and how that one will evolve because Richard, the real Richard Williams, was not advised on this movie, even though he really is, you know, there are, he is sort of an anti-hero and certainly he's a complicated guy, but it really is his story. And so I think it's going to be fascinating to talk about why they didn't need him to be a participant, but then, you know, all these other relatives in the family really did inform how that story came across. So there, there's a lot of kind of very specific choices to leave out key aspects of real life stories going on this year. And um, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I mean, I, I quite enjoyed King Richard. I mean, as I've said before, it's not my kind of movie. And these kinds of questions are. It is are a quote unquote crowd pleaser. It is a mainstream movie. It's a, but that said, um, as we've talked before, um, uh, Green really did a good job of keeping it real. If I may put it that way, yeah, I mean, it has, it has a gritty, Green. a grittiness to it that that uh, it's it doesn't have that Hollywood sheen. Even with Will Smith on board, he's giving a character performance, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Renaud Marcus Green, he as as has been talked about before, he got this job because of Monsters and Men because he was a filmmaker whose style was very grounded in reality, and it seems like that may be sort of the key to Will Smith being this best actor force this season is that he's not overdone in prosthetics in the film. He's not being too ostentatious. I mean, it really does feel like this was a directed performance. You could see a version of this as a passion project with the director who stepped out of the way and let That's Wilson right. do his no, thing. I agree with that. I so agree it's a that. symbiotic relationship. Absolutely. Um, now that's going to, those are two real front runners. And the one that's going to come back around um, much later on 
because it uh, because it's just opening later in the year is Power of the Dog, which I think is also a very strong. I think those three films are leading the pack, but there are new movies to be seen. So we're going to see Tick, Tick, Boom, and um, the other movies that are coming down the pike. Uh, they're starting to screen Licorice Pizza. Uh, various members of the Academy have been invited to screenings of that. I I have not yet been invited. We know it's happening. That's one of those things where it's like you start to hear My about time things will and, come. and locations yeah. and it's like, maybe if I just like, could I just join the DGA right now? I'll just direct something on the side so I can sneak into I actually into got a thing. DGA member to take me to one of those ones. I mean, <laughs> it is doable. So yeah, so there's that. And then um, we we are going to see West Side Story, rumor has it. Um, and, By the end uh, of November, maybe early December. Tonight, I'm going to see House of Gucci, uh, which I'm very excited about. And I'll be seeing that and tomorrow. And there'll be a Q&A and everything. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's a that's a big one this week. It's, 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 you really feel it all of a sudden. And like all of these movies, we've, we've seen a bunch of them kind of scattered throughout the last couple months. And now it's like they're converging with new titles. Like I'm going to go to House of Gucci and then pop by MoMA for the Spencer party they're doing there. And then I'm hearing that by early next week, yeah, probably something with licorice pizza. And then we'll hear about, uh, you know, the Nightmare Alley and, and West Side Story competing for noise. And so I, I wonder Nightmare how Nightmare Alley is an out. interesting one because it was interrupted by the pandemic and and extended by the pandemic. I mean, I, I hear, you know, you, you hear, oh, they finished the sound mix. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's it's really down to the wire on Nightmare Alley because they do have to get these things out. The, the Golden Globes deadline is not as urgent as it used to be, um, but there are uh, all the critics groups and, and uh, voting does begin in early December. I'm curious about how commerciality is going to play into the lives of these various movies. I mean, we we've said many times before that if you don't, you aren't at least you know successful to some degree commercially, it's pretty hard to stick out in a season. Because, you know, for example, Last Duel was a movie that would have been a fascinating awards contender for a lot of reasons, but it was such a bomb. It's kind of like not. I would happening. argue that the Last Duel would have eked out a somewhat more modestly successful performance, but it's it's also a Fox movie at Disney, and it's sort of doomed, and it's exactly the kind of movie that nobody goes to see. Unfortunately, right now, the numbers are indicating that. Um, if it's an original, it's kind and it's it's drama, an original drama, it's kind of doomed, and and you need to have some recognizable IP in there somewhere to to get the diehards to show up. Um, or at least Dune, something. That, Dune is that you know. Dune got the diehards to show up. Yeah, everybody's seeing Dune. And everybody's Bond talking did. about Dune, Dune to some degree, but. That doesn't mean that Dune is the front runner for Best Picture either. I mean, it's I actually think in the running it, it because it's such a strong crafts right. uh, performance. Uh, I I would I would be surprised if Dune got acting nominations, although right. I think it could. Uh, Maybe for uh, it's, it's, it's a it's unlikely uh, somehow because of the genre. I think that's what it has going against it. But it's like Blade Runner to twenty forty nine in the sense that it's just such a stunning visual accomplishment. Uh, that the crafts will be will be there, but then once again you have the Netflix and direction, factor. I would suggest. Direction. Yeah, I mean, Villeneuve is it continues to be well beloved across the industry, even when he makes a movie that opinions vary on. And the press is a lot of the media around the movie has actually been very supportive, even if the reviews are are 
you know, kind of mixed, but the, but I'm, I'm curious about the Netflix factor here with something like power of the dog, which will also get a lift from AFI fest and continues to be embraced. But obviously in that case, you're talking about a movie that it's less about the, you know, the box office and more about, you know, is it just going to continue to be seen and talked about? I mean, this week we ran the interview I did with Benedict Cumberbatch and I was thinking a, a lot about how much he is sort of the Trojan horse here to bring people into a movie they might not necessarily be excited about. I mean, cer- certainly Campion is, is widely respected and, and that's one selling point to cinephiles. But I also think the Benedict Cumberbatch cowboy movie is something that could resonate for people. And I- I'm fascinated to hear if the film delivers. I mean, on Netflix is a different question than does it deliver in the it theater? It has a different, I mean, they do show these movies in theaters and these movies get booked at the Paris or or uh, other houses in LA. But but the, the, the trick here, the trick here is, is, is Benedict Cumberbatch a, a huge marquee draw? I mean, he's, he is, he's got Dr. Strange two coming out and he's got, he's That's in Marvel. He's That's Marvel. I know, but I mean, it's, but there is something about that in the fact that he's had a decade plus since the whole Cumberbitches thing first started up, you know, it, to, to me, it seems like there is a very obsessive fandom. Kristen Stewart has that going for her too, but Spencer is a very different kind of movie. So, oh well, she's she's know. a front runner for for best actress, no question. And and uh, Spencer's really good, um, even if it if it is if it's on the art house side of the equation. The thing it's, about it's, Power it's of the Dog cool yeah. is that it's so good that it could become. Um, a classic, you know, it could become one of those. And, and the the character that Benedict Cumberbatch plays, Phil, you know, this guy is is so memorable and so extraordinary. You've never seen it before. You've never seen this kind of performance from him, and you haven't ever seen this character, Phil Dunlap, before. So I actually think that that this could become. Uh, a best picture contender uh, ahead of 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 Belfast and um, and King Richard and and it will have the reviews to to back it up. But, yeah, I mean, it, and the like, Academy admiration that would need to be there, like it was for Nomadland. Say. Well, I mean, and I guess maybe AFI Fest will be the the next sort of round of Academy exactly. responses too. Exactly. It gets that LA crowd to weigh in because there's been a lot of buzz around him, and then it kind of quieted down for a while, and it's getting more crowded. But it, it has to kind of be steady as they go. And as as in terms of crowd pleasers, it is it's it's funny to think about the idea of, of Belfast and King Richard battling it out while King, uh, you know, Power of the Dog just sort of hums along because it's not a crowd pleaser in the traditional sense, but it is a movie that kind of gets under your skin. It and, has and the Western you. elements to it. And, and, and I think men will relate to it. Um, and women will too. And men will relate to it because there's a lot of, it's, a lot of toxic got a, men out got there a lot with of repressed sex. It's, it's very relevant. <laughs> yeah. A lot, a lot of toxic masculinity and repressed sexuality that people will, will definitely turn out in droves to, to vote for. I think Campion's <laughs> probably got the best director in the bag, but you know, we'll see. And, and of course that's, that's exciting too, because if you think about it, someone was pointing out the other day for all the progress that's been made in terms of gender equality and, and supporting women filmmakers, the whole thing about, um, Jane winning uh, the Palme d'Or, she tied. She wasn't the only one who won the Palme d'Or. And she was so. nominated for Best Director for the Piano, <laughs> right? But didn't win. But if she, she wins, it won't be a tie this time, presumably. So, so, so she's, so she, she's, um, 
she's overdue, but and she also had a a, a, a not. I mean, I remember having conversations with her over the course of her career around the time of In the Cut, which was notably uh, thrown away uh, by right. its studio, and around the time of Bright Star, which which was a, an underperformer, undervalued, great movie. All of these movies are ex- extraordinary. Uh, I think she has never made a bad movie, but the um, support from the industry for, for her as a filmmaker was not always there. And I think that she felt it and went to television and enjoyed that and had a good run. So I think this victory is very sweet right now, if, if, if that's what she's feeling. And she certainly seems to know how to work the room after all this time. I mean, you've seen her, I've seen her, seeing her in the crowds, a filmmaker at that level, you know, she knows how to play this game and certainly doesn't outwardly seem to resent it. And there is a performative element to this stuff. I mean, there are certainly filmmakers and actors I've talked to who say, you got to pay to play. And if you don't want to play that game, that's it. She realized, uh, partly because she was often being shoved to the side, she always knew how good she was. That's not the issue. I don't think Jane Camion ever sat at home worrying about whether she was good at her job. You know, I really don't. But what, what I think she wasn't getting was this kind of applause. And boy, is she enjoying it now. And she's running with the ball. You're correct. So in terms of other stuff, it's her time. Yeah. Way to, way to go. Seriously. And and if it brings more people into her films, because, you know, the Paris Cedar is doing retrospectives or whatever, you know, more power to Netflix for that too. But uh, there's a couple other films at AFI Fest that should get a bump. I mean, Parallel Mothers continues to churn along and it does seem like Penelope Cruz is the official challenge. She'll yeah, Sony Pictures Classics was not happy that it wasn't submitted by Spain, but Spain submitted a Motivar seven times. So, um, you know, give another uh, guy a shot, and and they're going to go for mainstream categories. That's what they're going to do, and they've yeah, done he could past. get an original screenplay nomination on this Talk movie. Talk to her they, is the yeah. is the model. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's a film that I've re- I've seen it twice now. It's a film that it, because it deals with both the Spanish civil war and that kind of traditional Almodovar melodrama stuff. It's like, it's taking his material to another level. And I, when I saw it the second time in New York film festival, there was a, a fairly high profile filmmaker I ran into who was talking about how little they knew about the Spanish civil war and these unmarked graves that people are trying to discover now to talk about the past. And I feel like there's a powerful element to that, that you don't often get when you're sort of, when telling the story behind his film. So Hopefully that gives him a leg up and, and continues to get the movie out there. And then you have this film that was actually on the festival circuit last year that's being reintroduced, which is Halle Berry's directorial debut, Bruce. I still have not seen this, have Neither you? Neither have I, no. It, it, it premiered in Toronto in the drive-ins. I think it had like two drive-in screenings and then Netflix bought it for like $15 million, something like that. So it's it's been, and, and they've been holding on to it. So I think that's one to keep an eye on it the very limited reaction to it that I heard from Tiff was, was positive. Hmm. So I'm curious about the fighter movie and actors who direct, even when they've been around a while can sometimes do it quite well. As we saw, we've seen this year with both Rebecca Hall and, uh, and um, uh, help me out here, Rebecca Hall and (laughs) Maggie Gyllenhaal. I have to come up with Maggie Gyllenhaal for you. (laughs) Lost daughter. Yeah. Yes. Which we which we've gone over already is two higher profile debuts this year. But the point is, when actors direct it, you, you can Sometimes assume it at works least out. It, Absolutely. Yeah, they they, they kind of know what. No, they're doing. we need to check that one out for sure. 
So um, I thought it, may, it would make sense also for us to return to Eternals briefly because I actually in passing last week mentioned it as if it was opening last week because I did an interview for it a while ago and we've been it screened a while ago. It's one of those movies where it's like I kind of internalized that it was people had had a chance to see it, but actually it's just coming out right now. And so I'm very ask curious. You, I have it. some questions for you, Eric. So on Eternals, Eternals is one of those movies that um, is neither fish nor fowl, you know? It's neither a real um, successful Marvel movie. Um, and, and it's also an engaging, weirdly beautiful uh, Marvel movie. And, and I yeah. would argue that some of the best elements of it are provided by Chloe Zhao. And yet she's the person who directed it and therefore is being made responsible on some level yes. for this um, quote unquote disappointment. It's the first Rotten Tomatoes Marvel movie that has gone rotten since Kevin yeah, Feige took and, over. And I certainly have read some reviews that I thought were more extreme than I, I would expect. On the, but that's part of what happens, I think, when you're working on something at this high level is that the expectations are, are so fundamentally different from what happens when a singular filmmaker makes a movie with their own style. On some level, it's always been this sort of process of negotiation where the Marvel director meets Marvel on its own terms and then brings in some of their sensibility they can color within the lines of this pre-existing thing. That's, That's right. why Taika Waititi thing with Thor Ragnarok worked out so well, right? Perfectly. It's like the Taika element was there, but it was also a Marvel movie. And here it's, it's, it's not that they're necessarily and the same is true of Ryan Coogler. A hundred percent with Black he was, Panther. He was yep. supported by the whole Marvel machine, but he had a vision and he delivered. And I think with this one, it's when you look at it, I mean, what what I think is, is notable is, is Chloe, Chloe does, I think, appropriately want to own the filmmaking of this movie all the way through, including the action scenes. And the action scenes are the camera work. It's fascinating. Does sort of mimic the camera work of non-action scenes. There's a craft element to this that's worth looking at. But it's very beautiful. It is. Yeah, it is beautiful. But with, the challenge is when you look at it, in, in terms of what Marvel movies tend to do, this one doesn't do a lot of those things. It doesn't it's have the same. Introducing all these people and, and these characters, and it's laborious to get there. You it's do busy. engage with them eventually. So I have to put this, um, uh, the biggest criticism on the script level. But there's also this element where it's, it's a very understated and, emotional movie and not not just emotional in terms of does it hit you emotionally it's about people discussing their feelings a lot of times how does it make you feel when you're ostracized as you know as one character is or uh perceived in a certain kind of way over over years and years and years and there's just a lot of that and it's not soapy but it's certainly the kind of thing where it's like if you've sort of gotten used to tony stark quips or whatever over the years it's just a departure and that departure has a tremendous effect when you you felt the comfort living living in this marvel framework for a while so it's it a also, risky move in that sense it also shows exactly it shows the um it shows how uh delicate the transition at marvel is is going to be away from the avengers and the world that they established over so many films and that is no longer there for them. It's, it's, it's an interesting situation that they're in.
And meanwhile, yep. Sony's doing its thing with, with the Spider-Man universe. Yeah, by the way, I just caught up with Let There Be Carnage, and oh my God, what a what a miscalculation not that interested. was. What <laughs> not the interested. hell was that movie? I mean, I guess not a miscalculation from a business standpoint. It did okay. But as somebody who actually liked those comics as a kid, Carnage was like this crazy supervillain spawned by Venom, a piece of the Venom costume, and captured basically by a psycho a psychopath so it was like i imagine like a horror movie and instead it's like this really awkward comedy and more than one person have, have pointed out to me it's like the the arguments between tom hardy's eddie brock and the venom suit are, are super gay and like the movie doesn't seem totally cognizant of that so it's just like it's just totally miscalculated but whatever i saw it in a movie theater with a bunch of teenagers and they were having a good time so i guess it's just a bottom line kind of thing going on there and that's where we're at right now with a lot of blockbusters. They just want them to work. You know, one movie that I, I certainly am excited to, to, to see how it worked out is Matrix Resurrections, Me which too. is uh, coming I'm out in December. I love God. the first trilogy and I can't wait to see it. But the other the other uh, movie that disappointed did, didn't was an original that didn't do well at the box office was Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho, which I adored. And it's it's a, again, it's kind of a feathered fish. It's a horror movie. It's a stylish uh, valentine to the 60s um you know it has all these twists and turns that you don't expect and i think it's just one of those things where smart cinephiles can get a kick out of it but maybe the mainstream audience is left behind well also it's a it's ultimately my reaction to this movie is that it's i don't want to say elevated horror because that term is played out but it is at the end of the day movie that could have been marketed more explicitly as a horror they should have I and, think. and worked for that yeah, yeah that's sort of the bottom line is that horror movies work and this is a horror movie i like horror movies that are doing things you haven't seen before but still using elements of the genre and i think that was a miscalculation they they marketed it sort of as like an auteur film i know from the guy who made Shaun of the dead or whatever and or i, the I don't, dri- I'm not or sure baby driver or baby driver and it's certainly not that movie and it also has a lot well, it of has twists. the same elements of, of of the kind of visceral, quick cutting, stylish mise en scène that Edgar is known for. Yeah. Very witty, but but it's not as accessible. Well, in any case, I hope people check it out. It, it movies don't die after their dire box office experiences. That's one thing that we always have to remind ourselves. It, it might not make it has legs. <laughs> it exists and it, it'll be around. And I guess you know you can watch it on Peacock if you have to, but it is in theaters. So, so now we are going to transition to um, the next chapter for Eric Cohn. I am here yeah, to so let announce. Me... <laughs> I want to announce wait, the fact you're that enough. you're going to be a let me father. Just say, uh, you beat me to it. So the big, the, the, the big news, the news of the fall season, I guess, is, is that I will be going on paternity leave uh, imminently as we record this and we're looking at it being probably in about a week from now. And, uh, Screen Talk is going to take a break next week, but I'm going to take a break for a little bit longer than that because as anyone who's been following Pete Buttigieg's personal life knows, paternity leave is a real thing that people have to do for their families. So I'm very excited about that. And and Anne has been giving me a lot of advice. You've been very good about keeping the secret too. I'm, I'm impressed. No Easter eggs or anything on this podcast so far. You're going to be a wonderful, happy dad. It's going to be great. The one thing I still have to figure out, honestly, is is how we're going to introduce the movies in this household, because 
everybody has a different philosophy about screen time now, as far as I can tell. And I was just going to dive right in with a bunch of, you know, Keaton and Chaplin just to you have to, to wait a little goes. while. It's a wonderful <laughs> thing. I, my daughter was definitely raised by, by me watching movies. Um, and, and we used to have uh, that, uh, you know, Disney collection, right. And, and she grew up in that era of watching little mermaid and, and uh, Aladdin Ugh. and all those films. So she she uh, she t she t she got to go to screenings and all that kind of thing. But but what I'll say is that it's a great way to um, movies are a great way. Sharing them with your kid is a great way to to learn things and to discuss things. And uh, and well, no Disney princesses in this household. I'm pretty sure oh, that my stop, wife is not going to be into stop. that. But. Um, but 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 I would say or the color um, pink. I would say you're going to lean on the TV as a babysitter like every other parent. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. All I know is I've seen some of the animated shows that some of my friends with kids watch and I'm just baffled. I'm like, is this, is this real? Like this isn't some strange satire that was part of like a midnight sketch comedy thing. I just hope thing, you don't so. have to watch Barney the Dinosaur. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that that's, was that, Barney... torture. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's him. the thing. It's like, I understand that what Sesame Street did so much the more that i think about this oh, stuff no, you because can watch getting substance is fine yeah. yeah getting substance in there is is not easy so well i i expect to be fully changed when i re-emerge uh, re from whatever the next few months will be like but i'm not going to be completely gone i'm certainly going to be around in the sense that i hope to continue to pay attention to these movies we've been discussing and we'll have some interviews rolling out on the site and I'll certainly be listening to whatever you've got cooking with screen talk, which is so not what we're going in. to do is we're going to, I will be the the host. I will take on the Eric Cohn role. And oh, we're always co-hosts the producer. And then, um, it's, it's more work. It's more work for me. Uh, and then uh, it's fine. And then, uh, we'll have guests and they're going to come from the staff of IndieWire. So you're going to get a time with, Kate Erbland and David Ehrlich and Ryan Latanzio and on and on and on. It'll be it'll be fun to 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 mine their wisdom uh, about what's going on in this crazy world. Well, I hope you get into some good fights because things will be awfully dull without you to uh, to spar with on a weekly basis. And I'm sure I'll be distracted by other stuff, but I'll be thinking about it and, and tuning you in. You will have so. a new sparring partner. <laughs> That's the hope. All, all she's just going to do is cry, and I can't talk back to that, unfortunately. But uh, but I'll be listening. So uh, thanks for, for handling things while I'm out in. And, uh, My pleasure. Thanks, everybody, right. for listening to us this year. And, and I look forward to coming back into the swing of things in a couple of weeks. All righty. Enjoy. It'll be Thanks. a lovely time. All I right. hope so. Bye. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.